Hi, welcome to Story Guts, where the stories we smell smell about us. April Fools! Oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, I I even mangled the April Fools version of it. Like I was just too focused on um on the getting the joke out to actually say the correct. Um, where we talk yes, about sure what, what the stories we tell tell about us. Story Guts, that's us. Uh, yeah, so this is Story Guts. Um, I'm, I'm Molly Curran. <laughs> and I'm Alice Lai. Um, and so we'll, as usual, be talking a little bit about a, a story trope, um, sort of common plot that we've seen, and hopefully in the process, uh, you know, learn a little bit more about it. Learn a little bit more about it, ourselves, society, culture, and... And this week, Jesus. And Jesus. Yes, you guessed it. We're talking about eggs. Stop. (laughs) Uh, This week, we're talking about um, resurrection and rebirth, actually. So Mm -hmm. we're recording this on Saturday, March 31st, the day before Easter. Um, If you listen to this on Monday when it comes out, that'll be the day after Easter. So Mm -hmm. we thought, what better way to acknowledge that easter is a thing then uh, then acknowledge to... that easter yeah is a thing i mean released... i don't think either of us really celebrate easter but uh we can acknowledge you... that it's a thing mm-hmm. did you do easter egg hunts when you were a kid oh absolutely i remember the first year that there were no eggs hidden for me and i was so disappointed i was probably about like <laughs> 10 or 11 and i was just like oh this is it this is the end of my childhood <laughs> this is this is your first like encounter with morale mortality is like yeah. uh the swift passage of time did you do easter egg hunts um i've i've attended i attended a few mm-hmm. um i don't think my parents uh yeah they never hosted any but yeah I've, I've attended a few and they're always fun like you got a few with like candy and like some of them have like change in them and you're always like ah cold hard cash <laughs> that's true i feel like as a you know eight-year-old or whatever i was really grateful to get like 75 cents or whatever <laughs> yeah like it was like real because like the candy wasn't because of the fact that it had to fit in an easter egg like it, you didn't get good candy. no it was like jelly bellies which are nasty yeah you got jelly bellies you got like i mean like I feel like you didn't even get those, like, really tiny, like, fun-sized, like, candy bars. The ones that are, like, square because they're, like, extra small. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, it it was, like, some jelly beans and... Well, those didn't really exist when we were little. The little tiny, tiny ones. The ones that are even smaller than uh, fun size. Or, like, those, like, egg-shaped chocolates that were, like, not very good. Cadbury cream eggs? No, 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 oh. like, no, no, not, not cream eggs. The ones that, like, fit inside those plastic ones. Like, the... I mean, those, like, they were, like, those would fit inside a plastic one. Oh, man. Like, yeah, but that was that was too too good. It was too rich for our blood. I don't know. I still just like getting a hollowed-out bunny and eating it. Chocolate bunny, obviously. I know. And eating I it. I think... Ears first. To hide... I should get... I should get a, a chocolate bunny for myself. Um... And there's nothing like having, you know, I always felt like the height of decadence was to get a solid bunny instead of a hollow one. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it it meant that, like, you had made it. Like, you didn't need a, like, it wasn't even like a hollow one with, like, fillers, like, sawdust inside or something. It's, tr- <laughs> it's true, but actually a solid bunny was, like, very hard to eat. It's very Oh, that's intense. true. They're very hard. Yeah, it's like a, I mean, it's, like, and it's a lot, like. It's a lot of chocolate. Okay. Well, yeah, depending. If okay. it's a little bunny, if it's a little bunny, it can be solid. But if it's well, a bigger okay. bunny, hollow is going to be more 
favorable in the end. Mm-hmm. And we can all agree, right, that peeps are the worst. Yeah, I just, I I feel like I always end up getting snookered into buying peeps. Um because of all the all the brouhaha around them but they're they're all right like for like one of them it's like you know but their persistence is a testament to like enough time goes by that you forget like what they're like before you eat another one and then you're like hmm like so this is so this is it (laughs) this is the peeps lifestyle yeah, I can honestly say I've not eaten a peep in many years. I think I had a like few and was like, mm, nah, not for me. I'm good. They have a and lot I can of, like, keep that was, in my brain. I was at like this tiny Target earlier today, um, and they had a lot. Of, they had a lot of like peeps for varieties. They had like small. They had like filled peeps, like chocolate dipped peeps, and like I don't know. It was okay. okay. I can maybe fuck with a chocolate dipped peeps. <laughs> I can maybe do that. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, this is not anyway. actually related to. <laughs> right, this is this is nothing to do with resurrection and rebirth. I guess, I guess sometimes after you eat too many Easter candies, you feel like you've died. <laughs> and like when you when you first when you see the first peeps in a store, you're like, he has risen. <laughs> it's the so. sign of <laughs> the sign <Right>. of the <laughs> Lord coming coming again. <laughs> right. Uh, um, but yeah, let's, let's get, let's get down to brass tacks, um, and talk about rebirth and resurrection, um, which is a, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it is like Jesus is like the, once again, we're talking about like the, the biggest resurrection myth that a lot of us know of or Lazarus, Lazarus. Well, sure. But that, I think Jesus is bigger. I yeah, think okay, Jesus yeah. is definitely bigger than Lazarus. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Lazarus is, like, the opening act that Jesus is. Um, Yeah, I mean... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I I mean, I was just gonna... I said, um, like, Jesus, and that, in that case, it's, like, very much, like, an act of uh, divinity, right? Right. I mean, and I think we can um, think of that in terms also of, sort of, earlier religious beliefs and, like, Greek and Roman gods or whatever, where death and rebirth was very common, right? Sort of an understanding mm-hmm. of part of the the godly life cycle. Um, right. It seems to me, at least from what I understand, right? Like there's not there's not a sense that you could actually kill Zeus or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. So the the I think the distinction is right for Jesus. Like the resurrection is huge. It's sort of like the central act, um, or at least it has been turned into the central sort of thing of Christianity for a lot of Christians. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of emphasis on this idea of resurrection as um, something divine, something uh, that has to do with, like being a savior, um, something that has to do with mm-hmm. um, the person who is being resurrected. So I guess that's sort of the difference between Lazarus, right? Lazarus wasn't special. Jesus was just like, rise again. And he did. Mm-hmm. But Jesus is resurrected because he's special, because he is divine, because he is going to save us. Mm-hmm. Right, and um, I mean, and I think uh, you did talk about like the cycles of rebirth with regards to like Zeus and the Greco-Roman gods, mm-hmm. but I think, um, yeah, and I, and I definitely think like they like they don't really die, and I think like the fact that like Jesus was able to die was like very like is definitely like very much part of it, right? He died for our sins. Mm-hmm. Um, Versus, like, the idea of, like, a, a standard, like, immortal, undying being. Like, a, a person who's been resurrected is very much, like, yeah, like, like in, in this case, it's, like, it's very much more special than someone who might just be, like, able to live forever. Um, there's a sense of, like, liminality, a sense of, like, coming back. Right. Um, I mean, I think, you know, it sort of comes back to the idea that Jesus is 
both human and God, right? Yeah. Um, not mm-hmm. not one or the other. So really, Jesus is better equated not to Zeus, but to one of the children of Zeus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and those children of Zeus can be killed. Well, I should say I'm getting most of my recollection of uh, uh, Greek gods and stuff Percy from Jackson? Percy Jackson. So yeah, I was, I'm gonna. I'm. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure like children of gods can be killed. Like right, like demigods. Can, demigods can definitely be killed, but I'm not sure they come back. Right, exactly. I don't think they come back. Okay, okay, Percy Jackson. Uh, um, but death also just yeah. looks completely different in, you know, Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, compared I mean, to contemporary Christianity, we'll put it that way. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. No, I agree. Um, so what we have here as like uh, a kind of basis, I mean, uh, it's interesting that we like Jesus resurrection is like the last natural resurrection in the sense that like basically from in all the stories I, I've read from there on, resurrection is seen as unnatural, as sinister, um, as like, like unholy. Like Frankenstein, right? Yeah, yeah. Frankenstein's a great example. Um, As, like, yeah, like, as unnatural at best, and, like, it dooms the person to, like, this... uh, There's a huge cost associated with it, if not, like, just purely, like, super evil, flat out. Um, So, like, we have this, like... You don't get to resurrect unless you want to, like pretend to be like jesus i guess but like since none of these people are like divinely sanctioned by like the christian god like (laughs) you're you're messing with it like you're like you must be there's something like diabolical about it i think you're mostly right i do think that there is i do think we still have the figure of the savior who can come back to life and for it to be um unproblematic for them to come back to life i think probably more and more nowadays we're going to put the screws to that story a little bit because i think Mm -hmm. we ourselves are wary of particular kinds of technological advancement um that might enable that but like superman dying and coming back it's a jesus thing it's it's that's true it's a jesus thing like it's not um i don't think superman coming back to life we're supposed to be like oh he's a terrifying creature from beyond <laughs> like he was a savior who died for us and then is resurrected through his that's, ultimate power and strength that's a great great point um and i just like completely forgot about uh marvel like comic books mm. like the death as a revolving door mm-hmm. basically um i mean and sure in some cases for comics right it's just sort of about maintaining some tenuous continuity uh where you can just keep going so people have to not actually be dead or be able to return from the dead um Mm -hmm. but i think in certain cases like with a superman figure like superman yeah superman is like very jesus-like yeah um and like in if and i don't recall the exact story but it was very much like i don't know maybe lex Luthor finally succeeded or something like he died because of people but he like forgave humans as he you know mm-hmm. even though they were like the instrument of his destruction mm-hmm. lex Luthor with his like kryptonite suit or something i don't know Who knows? <laughs> lots of lots of it gets really weird um i mean or you get something like harry potter right where harry's death and rebirth has to do with the fact that he is sacrificing himself for others um and that sort of this uh taint within him which is voldemort um now can be eradicated and he can come back you know purer than ever Mm -hmm. um but it it is a a choice he has to make as well um which i think is maybe like a new i don't know I don't know if this is new. I shouldn't say that. But I think this is something I've noticed, which is there is sort of a sense of in 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 stories of resurrection like there has there's a choice involved where your hero sort of has to decide like do I want to live? Like life is hard, but 
do I want to live? Um, Mm-hmm. Should I go back and continue fighting and saving people? Or, you know, should I allow myself to die and, and things will be easy, but I'm not there for the people who need me. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I think um, I think it's something that I have seen uh, like a decent amount. And I unfortunately am sort of like I know in Terry Pratchett, there's a couple places where uh, the the like a protagonist enters a near like basically near death experience and death offers them the door like a door like they're like uh he's like you can choose you know like you can choose to die here and you will go to like the rest you richly deserve like or you can go back and like struggle and suffer and be in pain and all of that uh, and then, like, the protagonist is like, you know, I, I have to do that. Like, I don't, um, my work here is not yet done, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, and I think that's, that is, like, um, yeah, and I think that's interesting because it's, like, it's one of those things where it, like, foregrounds that, uh, you know, that the, the, the classic, like, living is easy like dying is easy living is harder yeah i mean um, uh not to get into any of our like super specific examples too early but um on buffy the vampire slayer they completely played with this trope um in a way that you know i have a lot of criticisms of joss whedon i have a lot of criticisms particularly of this season of buffy but um i did think it was a really interesting choice where at the end of season five buffy dies she sacrifices mm-hmm. herself for her sister, for her friends, to save the world. Um, And it's like, I mean, it's a really beautiful, tragic thing that, you know, she, but she does it. She, like, goes in, open eyes, like, I'm going to die for these people. Um, Mm -hmm. And then in season six, um, her friends resurrect her. (laughs) Basically because they're like, we don't know how to make it without you. Um... Mm-hmm. and they're like we've got all these vampires like crawling up our butts and we need a person to deal with it and that's you yeah i mean that and also i just think like i don't know emotionally they were they were whatever buffy's friends weren't that great <laughs> but um you know they're just like oh we just need you you know we love you and like they assume that she's suffering um mm-hmm. you know that she was in some sort of like hell dimension or something um, yeah, but she wasn't. She was in heaven, is what she says. I mean, she hides it from them for a while, but like she was in heaven. She was finally at peace. She was finally like not fighting for her life all the time. She finally didn't have the weight of the world on her shoulders. And her friends uh-huh. took that from her and forced her sort of back into the world. Ice cold. Yeah, and like she, you know, she tries to hide it, but like she's miserable. Like of course she is. Um, and there's sort of this repeated line, which is exactly what you just said, which is like the hardest thing in this world is to live in it. Um, and I thought I did, I did think that that was a really, it didn't make for a really successful season of television. Um, Mm -hmm. and possibly just in part because it wasn't done that well, or possibly because watching your protagonist be completely miserable and like a hundred percent sure she would rather be dead is not the most fun um (laughs) but i do think that it was a really bold choice um that really changed like it changed that character and like really shaped who she was for the rest of the series um yeah in really profound ways and yeah oh that is that is really interesting i mean i think i think just in the sense of like um being very in this case, like being very bold with the depiction of heaven and like the the kind of like afterlife, mm-hmm. uh, I guess we can. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we um, in a lot of the things that uh, we talk about, or like a lot of the resurrection stories I talk about, is like it doesn't. It's like people who come back to life don't remember their time in time afterwards, or I guess they do, and it's hell. <laughs> yeah. Like. Um, like there's this there's this famous series called um London Falling, I believe. Yeah, yeah London, London Falling. Falling. The one with the soccer witch one. 
um, where in a later book, like basically they have to like bring someone back from hell and, you know, or, and then one of the, like the dark twist is like, everyone goes to hell. Like there, there's no, like, it doesn't matter if you're a good person or not. Like everyone goes to hell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I don't know. I mean, that is a dark twist. Uh, I mean, in a way, right. That's kind of very, uh, greco-roman or whatever right like everyone goes to hades and they're sort of different like hangout spots in hades but like everyone's in hades um yeah and there's like yeah as we know rescue missions to hades don't really (laughs) work out super (laughs) yeah yeah they don't really work out Um, though in Um, percy jackson percy does successfully rescue his mother from hades but he does it by giving doing a favor for Hades, and so Hades is like, "All right, you can have your mom back." Like, what 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 favor does he do for Hades? Does he, he like, like proves that Hades out? is not like the bad guy of the first book, who's trying to start an all out war between the gods. Oh, I see. Okay, so like he he does some good investigative sleuthing, and it's like, and you're like, Hades, you're not you're not too bad. You just got you're just like Lord of the Dead. Yeah, I mean, he's like not great, but. None of the gods are really great. They all kind of suck. Yeah, yeah. Which is very much in line yeah. with... Um, no, that's... Okay, so we kind of... So we kind of talked about death as... We kind of talked about resurrection as... Um, we have the unnatural resurrection. I mean, one of the things that kind of uh, gets me with this... Um, this, like, heroic resurrection is that... it It really is, like... There's no assumption that they're coming back necessarily right it's like they they die and they don't know they die and they believe that it's final right Mm -hmm. like um there there's no like oh i'll die and like you know by the way like if you go to like grobulon six there's like a device that might bring me back (laughs) so go look for it bye see ya i'm gonna get stung by bees to death um so it's it's like very much like uh selflessness, nobility, um and sacrifice. Like I think I think what you said what about it was like very much right. Like it has to be um a sacrifice. A sacrifice, it does. right. And then uh otherwise like if it's otherwise it's like lich like, I guess. Like, you know, like coming back as the undead. Um like that's that's actually in Dungeons and Dragons. That's like one of the things. Is like to become a lich, like a super powerful undead wizard. Um, you basically like prepare all the all the stuff. You prepare the ritual, and then you kill yourself, and then you like immediately revive your revive as like this whole undead monstrosity. I mean, well, I think that that actually speaks to the language you just use, right? The the language you use, whether we say somebody is resurrected and they're alive again or are they undead right mm-hmm. like uh, we would see a lich as being undead we would see a vampire as being undead or a, a zombie or whatever um but we would see you know a divinely resurrected character um or a sort of heroic character who rises again as being alive again um even even yeah. i would say when that resurrection is achieved through um less savory means like in buffy where it is achieved through dark magic um Uh and in the show supernatural at one point and probably at multiple points i only watched three seasons of the show but uh in the early part of supernatural one of the two brothers dies and the other one makes a deal with the devil to so that his he's gives he offers his soul up um in order to resurrect his brother. And I don't think at any point we feel mm. like the brother is undead. undead like I feel unnatural. like he's, al- he's alive because he, he sort of died in this noble way. He didn't, he didn't ask to be resurrected or sort of expect it. Um, but instead it was sort of this gift bestowed on him. That's a great question. It's like, what is like, you know, we have, this idea of resurrection as like you're back, you're here, you're human, uh, versus the undead, where it's like 
you're back, you're not human, and you're, like, tainted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, even, and, you know, that's a great point, because I, I never really even thought about it. Um, the fact that we have a lot of people who come back from the dead, but we don't consider them undead. Um, and I guess it's all, it's all about, like, uh, authorial, I guess? It's just mm-hmm. sort of like, yeah, they're chill. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, it is, and it, it is sort of wondering. This actually, um, something that I think is very interesting in, in Game of Thrones, and actually in the Game of Thrones fandom, is the fact that I feel like in the show, John's resurrection has mostly been painted as harmless um yeah it doesn't seem to have really negatively affected him in any way except that he was clearly severely depressed uh because he had been murdered by his people um and then creepily brought back to life by a witch um but you know he seems to have gotten (laughs) over that he's like yeah you know i died for people but i'm alive now and um yeah and we sort of accept that but um, given sort of what we know about about resurrection in the broader world of Game of Thrones and in the books, um, you know, this form of resurrection, the, the resurrection by the uh, Lord of Light, it does take it's, something away. It's complicated. It is, yeah, mm-hmm. like Beric Dondarrion is resurrected tons and tons of times, and each time he loses a little bit of himself. Um, and, I mean, which I think... Lady Stoneheart... Yeah, and then Being... Catelyn Stark is sort of the um, biggest example because she's been dead for days when she is resurrected and there's very little of her left, just sort of her vengeance. Um, this is in the books mm-hmm. for people who are show watchers. Um, it's an amazing plot yeah. that the show cut and I'm forever sad about it. Um, <laughs> and she becomes Lady Stoneheart, yeah. um, who really doesn't have that much in common with Catelyn Stark, except that she's bitter and angry and you know wants to avenge her murdered children yeah i i think that's um and catelyn stark uh and like lady stoneheart and i think it's it is like very significant that the name changes um i mean she has her story right Mm -hmm. like i think that's what's very interesting about lady stoneheart in the books is that um the fact that she is a stark that the stark that was betrayed and brought back to life um and like carries out this mission of vengeance is makes her uh extremely powerful figure in the minds and myth of the people she's leading Mm -hmm. um like she is still catelyn stark uh she is catelyn stark but she is catelyn stark transformed and that you know that's huge kind of like this nobility um carrying out this like mission of um this mission that kind of aligns with aligns and like corrupts the original mission of like the brotherhood of banners brotherhood Uh, without banners (laughs) without banners right it's a very important like they don't have (laughs) banners they uh the brotherhood with banners is their rival (laughs) rival organization that they have to defeat uh for the soccer championship so yeah i mean i think that's i think that's really interesting how um in this case we can sort of see resurrection as um as like sort of like she's she's hollowed out um and then like Beric you mentioned uh is like this like purely pious figure uh who like ex- both accepts death but also is repeatedly resurrected um at a cost and i think it is very funny that like in the books resurrection is like we do have this idea of like death zombies we have this whole like water cult mm-hmm. um in the books of like what is dead may never die. Oh, basically, yeah. What is dead may never die, and like the people who like have to ritually drown themselves, mm-hmm. um, and like frequently, you know, don't come back. You know, frequently they mistime it, and they actually do just drown. Right. Um, I mean, and being able to survive this ritual drowning is part of how you show that you're a true Iron Islander, that you're a true um, leader of the people. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, and, oh, and, go ahead. Oh, I, I, I mean, I think, I think it's interesting. Like when we look at the show and we look at um, this, I guess like it is like kind of like very like pre-Christian idea of resurrection in that like it's not 
necessarily it's like it's unusual yes but like it's not that unusual in that like it's natural it's like it seems more natural because like something is lost like energy is lost um Mm. there there is something like that there's part there's a cycle some kind of cycle occurring there where there is a price that must be paid to like continue with your life right um and then we have John in the show, uh, you know, the books uh, do not resolve this problem because there will never be another <laughs> uh, book in the series. But in the show, it is very like, I mean, it's it's funny how um, how Christian it seems, right? Like, he's like trying to do the best. He's like, he's stabbed in the back. Mm-hmm. Betrayed um, by his own men, he, yeah. Yeah, he's betrayed by his own men, um, but, like, his, like, naked figure rises uh, from the crypt Mm -hmm. in which he was installed. And then he's, like, and actually, it's, like, it's comical how normal he is um, and how everyone in this world where coming back from dead is seen as, like, a huge existential threat because you are part of, like, the ice zombies here to kill everyone. Um everyone he meets is like, hey, weren't you dead? And he's like, eh, yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I think you're completely right. I think, um, and I think this is a problem in the show that I don't know if it will in any way be addressed or resolved, but I do think, like, people who watch the show recognize it as a problem. Um, I certainly do. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've noticed a trend in fan fiction, right, where there's sort of this, like, dark John trend, which basically has to do with, like, a resurrected John who is very different from who he was before. And I think John has changed. I think his death did mm-hmm. change him. Um, and I do think he had a reaction to it that was emotional, but there's no sign that he, like, lost parts of himself in a sort of a spiritual way, so much as just mm-hmm. in a, like, he learned a lesson about, you know, being a leader trust. and trust and, yeah. you know, having to be smarter than he has been. Um, right. Um, there's actually this kind of interesting... Uh, so I'm just thinking of this anime I saw <laughs> called uh, Land of the Lustrous, where everyone... Where the main protagonists are... Um, they're like gem people. They're people made... They're like living gemstones. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, they can be... They, if they're shattered, you can actually just, like, put them back together and, like, they, they'll, like, re- return to life. But um, if you if they lose a limb permanently, like, all the memories and stuff and the personalities stored in that limb are vanished. Uh-huh. Uh, so our protagonist is kind of, like, very anime, very clumsy. Oh, no. Um, but, like, she... Or they, rather, sorry... They lose their uh, legs at one point, and then their arms at another point. Um, and like at the very beginning of the of the arc, is like they made a promise to someone else um, to like look out for her uh, and like find oh sorry look out for them and find them a job, a cinnabar rather. And then like you know they undergo like a significant personality change and. Um, uh, like attitude change as a, as a series progresses because like they physically have lost parts of their body and like they get replaced by like other things but like it's it's kind of and, and it's kind of very interesting um, in the context of uh, you're talking about John uh, from Game of Thrones because of this idea of like this shattering this like in this case like a very literal physical shattering um, but like what's broken can't be put back together without um without loss right without mm-hmm. without like um fragments being lost and i think that's what's most what's the most compelling part about um uh a song of ice and fire and lady stoneheart and Beric and john's resurrection is like what will have been lost and like how how do you re- connect that the post you know post-trauma John with a pre-trauma John and like how will that change his um I mean there's a lot of like kind of accident like a terminology of like uh accidents I guess right like trauma and accidents Mm. and like a disability even in a sense Mm -hmm. of like um of like you know you've you 
you have changed after this event, um, are you still the same person? And I mean, in this case, it's it's not the same because it's like you have this magical reason why the answer is no. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's that's one of the um, yeah, like when you're talking about sort of like losing a limb, loses part of your. I was like, oh, that that's interesting, but also like problematic. Uh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in this like specific thing, it's like very much you know. Very much like, oh, you know, there's tiny creatures living in the gems that, like, house your memories. Yeah. Um, uh, but but in the in the sort of broader question of um, in Game of Thrones, like, it's part of what I think is interesting about John is that it has been established so many times over that resurrection has a cost, right? Mm-hmm. Like, not just with Lady Stoneheart, not just with Beric Dondarrion, but... Um, when Daenerys tries to resurrect uh oh, Drogo, right? Yeah. right? Um, mm-hmm. like there is a a cost. Like it was um like a horse had to be slaughtered and then she miscarried her child. Um uh-huh. and she like became infertile, basically. Yeah, I like... wasn't sure if that was part of it or if that was just like the curse that was laid on her. Unclear. Mm-hmm. Miri Mazder, interesting character. Not really sure. <laughs> <She's>... Um <laughs> You know, and then Daenerys, um, like, when she um, sort of is reborn in flame, right, is when she mm-hmm. sacrifices Miri Mazdur. She ties her to the pyre, um, burns her alive, burns herself alive, and that's what brings the the dragons to life, which have been an extinct um species so it's like the rebirth of the dragons through the death of this woman um and daenerys and then daenerys's own rebirth in that process as well Mm -hmm. um and i think we we don't necessarily always look at that as a rebirth with daenerys um and i think especially because in the in the show like all her clothes burn off and she's like look i got dragons now but in the <laughs> you're like yeah in the awesome. in the books it's like a little more dramatic because like all of her hair burns off and um mm. like it, it's very clear that like she has like physically been altered by what happened um yeah and and I think like it's worth wondering like what what was lost in that process too or is it just that she you know sacrificed this life in order to make this happen I don't know. Mm-hmm. She just got like this really cool and chill dragon friends. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's really interesting and I think um it sort of comes back uh to I don't know, I mean, I think I think it's it's interesting we're talking about like Buffy and uh Song of Ice and Fire. I mean, I'm just sort of thinking about like this like kind of we we talked a lot about like the Greco-Roman myths and of course, you know, there's Orpheus and Eurydice, mm-hmm. right? Um, and there's also Persephone and Hades, kind of like the two um, other, like the two other big death stories, I guess. And the third one, which is Disney's Hercules, <laughs> uh, but we're not we're not going to count that one actually. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and then like Orpheus, uh, I forget exactly. I feel like Orpheus dies when like he refuses to play his song for. I'm going to look it up. You're going to hear some clicking sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, Orpheus doesn't die. Eurydice dies. Uh, yeah, but like his like the, his ultimate death. Oh, I don't I guess. know what happens like in the to... end. I just know he, you know, Eurydice dies. She's bitten by a viper. Oh, um, I see. Okay. Uh, Orpheus, yeah, think, you know, um... tries to bring her back from the underworld, but he looks back at her, fails. Hmm. Yeah, I think, okay, sorry, or- Orpheus ultimately dies because, like, he's, like, I'm going only going to worship Apollo, um, and then apparently he, his previous patron deity, Dionysus, was, like, kind of pissed off and had a bunch of people rip him to shreds. Ah, uh, classic. Um, which is very class, honestly. Very it's Dionysus. Such a, such a classic Dionysus move, like... He just, like, if he didn't like it, he was just like, yeah, well, whatever, I was just, like, have some people rip you to shreds, but... <laughs> but yeah i mean it's it's the it's like the he like he has the power of music he like charms Cerberus, he charms hades and like his own doubt i guess Mm -hmm. his own doubt like uh 
dooms him. And then we have... I mean, dooms him uh, and dooms Eurydice. Yeah, dooms... Like, I mean, dooms both of them because they're... Yeah. And... And then with Hades and Persephone, we have this whole, like... Uh, Persephone is allowed to leave, but, like, she's also trapped forever, I guess. Like, she she has this timeshare kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like, Persephone is very... Persephone, I mean, that entire story, right, is very closely associated with ideas of death and rebirth because it's an explanation for the seasons, right? It's um, mm-hmm. Demeter lets all the plants die over the winter because that's when Persephone is gone. Then Persephone returns and it's spring. Um, so it's it's a very, it's it's not just death and rebirth of individuals, but of the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, of like, also more general. Yes. Um, and I mean, I don't know, like, it's, it's, cause it, it wouldn't really be fair to say that Persephone dies. Like, she doesn't, she's a goddess. She just, like, goes and lives yeah, in that's Hades. True. Yeah. And then, like, goes and lives. Right, right. In Olympus. But, um, yeah. Um, this is not 100% related, but just as we're talking about people who are changed and hollowed out from death, what are we, what are our thoughts on, on, uh, on Gansey in the Raven Cycle. <laughs> yeah, I think that's... So I mean, th- there'll I think be spoilers great, for um, this, because, yeah. Yeah, big spoiler alert for the Raven Cycle, book four. Uh, two boys, two... The Raven King. Curious. The Raven King. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's a great question, because, like, what we... It's, it's, it's a resurrection, um... But it's, and honestly, but it's, like, almost a, it's a, it's almost a resurrection just because, like, his friends want to call it that, right? Because the description we get isn't, is, like, is emphatically, it's not a resurrection, it's, like, a recollection. Like, uh, or, like, even, or even, like, being, like, very, you know, playing wordplay-ish, like, a recollection mm-hmm. of, um, of just sort of, like, the forest taking what Gansey was in life and attempting to reassemble, like, to create a apparition or a physical apparition of of that body. Right. And, I mean, and, like, the the sacrifice required for that to happen is Noah has to sacrifice himself somehow even though he already died very confusing mm-hmm. um but i mean the forest sacrifice and he'd, he'd already the... i mean remember gansey had already been resurrected once right mm-hmm. when he had been young and he'd been stung by hornets um yeah and yeah. then at the same moment noah died on the exact same place in the ley line and gansey resurrected um and so Noah, like, simultaneously enables this resurrection of Gansey in the past and in the present, um, but also the forest, which is dream magic. Like, we can't forget it's dream magic. It's Ronin's dream magic um, mm-hmm. that is also working through Adam. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, come just sort of, like, comes into the shape of Gansey and, like, becomes Gansey. Um and I don't know what that makes Gansey anymore. Like, is he human or is he a human made of dream magic and like the will of a ghost? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a great like, and I think it's something that kind of is sidestepped in the Raven King is that like Gansey and like they do say like, oh, Gansey, like occasionally he like flickers a bit or like he like, I, I forget if I forget what the book do they says say anything about that? I don't even remember that. I, I feel like they do. They do mention like how like from then on, like something he's always like like occasionally he'll be like half a step out Mm. of a touch with the real world um and i think that's i mean no i mean i think that's it's interesting i don't know i mean i think it's interesting that like the raven king gives gan like resurrects gandy gansey once um and the second time the time like he knows he has to die he's like he doesn't really come back, I suppose. Um, though he does in the sense that, like, you know, for our purposes, for the reader's purposes even, mm-hmm. uh, Gansey's back and he's having threesomes with, uh, you know, Henry and Blue. Right. 
and I almost wonder, like, can we think of Gansey's resurrection as a Christ-like resurrection? Christ didn't come back. You know, Jesus didn't come back as the human he was before, right? Mm-hmm. He came back as something more divine. Maybe that's what it yeah. happened in Gansey. Like, maybe he's more divine now. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's, I mean, ultimately, and we're, um, this is like getting into editorializing, um, I kind of feel like Gansey shouldn't have come back. Um, yeah, I but, mean, yes and no. I think that if he was going to come back, it just should have been like, either like the weirdness of this situation should have been more fully explored rather mm-hmm. than kind of just passed over. Um, or he shouldn't have come back. One of the two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think um, it would have been, and I think it's like a very, like, it is a very satisfying end, like, or not, well, that depends on who you're talking to, but like, it's a very, like, neat ending, like, everyone's like, um, kind of, like, things are kind of resolved, and like, like, he goes off on his road mm-hmm. trip with Blue and Henry, and they're just like, woohoo, like, you know. Blue's able to explore, and Henry just showed up, and... And Henry's like, yes, I finally get to act on my crush that I've had on this guy for ages. Right, yeah, it's, it's just like, oh my, yeah. Uh, but, like, this, um, this, like, weird experience they have is, like, this, like, horrifying, like, the, you know, the Raven King is a book with, like, really scary parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just sort of like, they don't really get the time to process it before the ending. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's hard cause I wonder to what degree is that just, and this is like a whole other question, but like the genre, like, I feel like mm-hmm. that's just, I mean, that's the complaint I have about Harry Potter too. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like I think Harry Potter does a lot with trauma. Um, but I do think like, there's a lot that happens in the final book that we then just sort of get neatly packaged off into a bow um, in that Mm -hmm. epilogue. And I understand why that happens. But it's also, you know, it's not, I mean, okay, I am me, so I would love to read, like, you know, plenty of pages about, like, dealing with PTSD and trauma. But that's not exactly what I mean. But I feel like there's a lack of openness at the end that I think would have been more realistic um yeah i mean i i mean it's it's just like books have the i mean i just think like this is for all the the flack the hunger games gets i feel like this is like one of the most compelling parts about the hunger games um is like katniss's trauma reluctance ptsd um oh that's explored hard agree and that is a book that has an epilogue i really like it's an epilogue that does in a way wrap things up but it wraps things up very messily like sure Mm -hmm. she gets married and she has kids or whatever but like is still so deeply traumatized and that is still deeply central to the story that she's telling and sort of the life that she's living Mm -hmm. and i don't think that has to be the case but i think it is you know important that that is mm -hmm. a version of a story that we get like i don't think we should always get stories where okay, all the bad stuff is over, and now we're all just, like, fine, and it's good. Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I think that's... I think that's something that I would love to see. And I think I think it is kind of... Um, from... Maybe born from partially from a desire to wrap the series up. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I don't, I don't know, but I mean, I, I definitely agree. Like, I would love to see more from that like more from uh these this kind of like unfinished like the ending is not the ending kind of right like you you have um you defeated the monster but like they're the psychic scars the psychic like cost continues i mean this is probably one of the reasons I really liked a series of unfortunate events. I mean, like, fuck Daniel Handler, obviously. But, mm-hmm. like, I... I mean, almost probably to a uh, to a degree that was too much, he, like, co- like, those books commit to this openness that's just, like, basically says nothing resolves. Nothing in life resolves. Mysteries don't <laughs> resolve. Like, your sadness doesn't resolve. Nothing resolves. Um, oh man! Which is what a intense, intense bummer, and and 
Uh, and I feel very ironic in, like, the final book is called The End uh, of the series. It's called The End. And, you know, it's, it's I'm, I am 100% sure that people who read it when it came out who'd been following the series along the way probably hated it because they were probably looking for a lot of answers. And instead what mm. they got was a very strange book that opens up more questions and, um, yeah, really just ends on this huge open note. Um so, I don't know. I mean, that's also one of the reasons I'm unusually forgiving of The Cursed Child, which I think has a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot of problems. But it gives me a glimpse mm-hmm. into that um, unresolved trauma that I know is there. Uh, like, it gives me a <laughs> yeah. glimpse into that. Like, one of my favorite scenes in The I, I haven't seen it. I've just read it. But one of my favorite scenes uh, in the script is when... Uh, Draco Malfoy and Ginny Weasley talk about like how fucked up they are over Voldemort, like how Voldemort fucked them up as kids. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's really fascinating. Right. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, too bad J.K. Rowling has stuck her foot in her mouth so conclusively. (sighs) Yeah. Um, No, one thing I wanted to just sort of mention is I, there's another um, manga series actually that I actually really enjoy reading called um, Delicious in Dungeon slash Dungeon Meshi, where it's, it's like this group of adventurers are trying to like basically go, go into a dungeon to like rescue the sister of one of the protagonists. Um, And, you know, ultimately they do succeed. They find like the dragon that ate her and they like get her bones out from the dragon's stomach and like do some like ritual magic to bring her back but like it just goes wrong almost instantly (laughs) um (laughs) as these things do yeah unsurprisingly but i think it's like the there's like some discussion of like like you know this is an unnatural dungeon in this dungeon souls are bound to the body when you die um and which is why like a lot of people do die in the dungeon, but, like, they're able to be resurrected fairly easily. Like, and it's, like, it's, like, a small gold cost to, like, bring them back. Um, but, like, this is, there's this implication that this is just, like, a deeply unnatural place. Mm. Um, um. I don't know. I mean, it, I mean, I don't know. And, like, you know, the the sister comes back and is normal for, like, one day and then, like, becomes, like, this weird harpy beast. Ah. Uh, due to like the circumstances involved with the resurrection, like the next day. Mm-hmm. Did you ever but... see or read Pet Cemetery? Yes, I did. I did read that. Oh man, what a spooky book! Um, I saw the movie and it scared the shit out of me. Um, so if we're yeah. talking about like really scary resurrections, um, also I realized we don't need to talk about this, but it just seems crazy not to mention it. Which is Full Metal Alchemist. Oh yeah, like yeah. we're talking about I've never like. Read or... Oh, you haven't. I haven't read or watched. Yeah, I don't know um, anything about it other than like Ed gives up, tries to resurrect his mom. And so yeah, back. Ed and his brother they try to resurrect their mom, and they the whole concept of alchemy is like that um, everything has a certain cost. There's like a uh, I can't think of the word, but like equivalent, equivalent exchange. exchange. Yeah, exactly. There's equivalent exchange. Um, so to resurrect their mother, they get all the parts of a human body that exist right so they have like this Mm -hmm. much you know water this much whatever like all the elements and they like Mm -hmm. put that all together and they try to transmute it into their mother but of course the idea is like a human is more than just their body the parts um Mm -hmm. and so they uh, ed loses his arm and his leg his brother loses his entire body um and they create life, but it's not their mother. It's uh, uh, homunculus is what they're called. And it's like these, mm-hmm. you know, in- inhuman <laughs> creatures. Inhuman abominations? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> they're who, okay. who wreak havoc, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, but it's it's definitely like, it gets very literal about like, what is the cost of human life? And, you know, tries to say, well, you know, a human body is these things. So if if we get these things then shouldn't that do it like isn't that what life is um mm-hmm. i guess the interesting uh question would be like what if you did that and that was it yeah and work. you're like that that is that is what life is cool 
<laughs> and you're like, ooh, this is kind of messy. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's interesting. I think we, I mean, if we do like a homunculus Frankenstein episode, yeah. like, I would love to continue exploring yeah. that. Well, I mean, Frankenstein's, an um, inter- Frankenstein's monster is an interesting case because like, in the book, right, he is a yeah, completely he is, he is a living, living, conscious being. Sentient, um, yeah. Frankenstein like, is a deadbeat dad. Yeah, like Frankenstein and... does make life and, like, with a soul, but it's still mm-hmm. horrific. Um, but, yeah, we can save that for another time. I know a bunch of interesting uh, Frankenstein fun facts, so we can save that for the future. <laughs> F- yeah, Full Metal Alchemist. It's birthright. I always, everyone, every time someone says the full acronym, I'm always like, Full Metal at birth. Uh, uh, um, like, I think, is it, is it Brotherhood? I don't know. Oh, I've only seen okay. the original anime series, so Yeah, I know I know very little about it other than basically what we just there's also like the Seven Sins. Right, those and, are the homunculi. Oh, I see. Okay. And that's that's basically it. Um, um Okay. Okay. So what have you been uh up to reading, watching, experiencing? Hell hell yeah. Um so I Recently finished reading a book, uh, Ali, uh, Winter by Ali Smith, um, who also wrote uh, uh, How to How to Be Both, which is um, an interesting book that apparently there's two uh, parts to it, but the order in which the parts are presented is randomized. Mm. Uh, so like when you buy the book, you actually don't know which part will be first. Um Anyways, uh, Winter is an interesting book. It's part of her seasonal quartet uh, quadrilogy. And it's basically written in conjunction with the season. So Winter was released a few months ago. Uh, Autumn was released, you know, three months before that. Spring is due to be released very soon. Um, in Winter, she makes references to Trump, to Brexit, to the Grenfell uh, fire. So it's all, like, super contemporary, which might explain why it felt like it needed an editor. <laughs> Uh, so I didn't, I mean, I didn't like it too much. Um, I, I think it's a very interesting how, uh, Ali Smith is clearly an extremely talented writer. And I think we had a, I had a discussion with book club about like whether a character in there represents, like to what extent does it represent the manic pixie dream girl archetype? Uh, because she like shows up out of nowhere and then like fixes a person's life and then his mom's and his mom's life and his mom's relationship with him and his mom's relationship with his sister and then also and then like disappears again um so i don't know i'm not sure if i can recommend that what is this weird <laughs> whomping noise behind you is there a weird whomping yeah. noise one second oh it's a helicopter oh, okay. sorry no it's all right i was That's just not- like I mean, it's the 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 listeners will hear it. Um, I I my my techno wizardry will not be enough to erase <laughs> that. Um, I'm also starting another book called Nomon G N O M O N by Nick Harkaway. Um, I haven't. Uh, I've only just started, but apparently it's about uh, basically a murder set in a po- like a ultra surveilled dystopia. Mm. So like the very like I just read one page of it, and like it's like a person apol- like a police person apologizing for a death of a. A person in captivity and the her face expression micro expressions are all like uh scrutinized for um honesty and like you know and so it's like kind of gives you an idea of like how the society is set up um, you'll have to tell me how that is yeah i mean i'm i'm interested i really liked his one of his first books the gone away world and i didn't like angel maker as much but i've heard apparently this is like People were like, I'm astonished that Nick Harkaway has this book in yeah. him. Um, so maybe, so I'm, I'm looking forward mm. to it. Um, is that it? Yep, that's it. All right. What am I, what, what do I have? Um, I am still reading Who Fears Death. It's rough. It's real rough. Um, mm-hmm. In that just like a lot of bad things happen and it's hard to read. <laughs> um and I've been reading a whole bunch of criticism about um, black women science fiction, which has been really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. There's not enough criticism, but I read a bunch yeah. of it. <laughs> um, and what else? 
Other than that, oh, I just read uh, Dictae by Teresa Cha, which is a very hard book, very opaque book, but I really mm-hmm. liked it, but I don't really know what to do with it. It's it's a it's a really interesting work. Um, I don't even think it's like sort of generically classifiable. It's sort of poetry, sort of memoir, but also sort of just very experimental. Um, it's mixed That's media. Um, and uh, it, there's a really just sad and fascinating story behind it, which is that Teresa Cha, it's from like the late 80s, I think, or maybe the early 90s. But Teresa Cha, the woman who wrote it, um, uh, she she died very shortly after, either I, right before or right after its release. Um, she was actually murdered. And oh, yeah, man. it's like by, by a serial killer. Like, I don't know. The whole thing what? is just so okay. much. Um, and it's yeah. like, it's weird because there's a lot of themes of sort of like early death and, and violence against women in the book. So it's extra resonant. It's also a lot about colonialism. Um, a lot of it's about her, uh, her family who living in uh, uh, Korea when it was occupied by Japan. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting work that, again, I'm, I'm sort of trying to wrap my head around. Um, yeah. Other than that, not much. I'm now five episodes into Westworld, so Westworld. Woo, I'm getting closer to the end. Five more episodes. So we're getting closer to our um, our final uh, our robot episode. Yeah. Uh, There's some real interest. I kind of want to rewatch it at some point just because I, I feel like I came away from it unimpressed on my first watching, but like thinking about it more, and possibly this is also because I was kind of so let down by Nier Automata mm-hmm. um, that I like, I I feel like I'm, I'm feeling a lot more warmer towards its interrogations of self and um, consciousness. Yeah, I've been finding it interesting. I've been watching it with um, our housemate, Ilana, who is a philosophy person. Um, and thinks a lot about consciousness. So after every episode, mm-hmm. she's like, so what did you think? And I'm like, uh, uh, Oh man, that's a lot yeah, of I'm pressure. Like, it was interesting. It's really weird. What's going on? <laughs> I'm like, I don't have yeah, anything. I, I really wish, uh, <laughs> I really wish I could be there to, to hear that discussion, man. Oh, there's some, there's some pretty intense episodes coming down the pipeline. Yeah, I bet. Um, I mean, they've gotten the, the last episode we watched was very intense and, really good it was probably my favorite episode so far um mm-hmm. but i don't know so we'll we'll see how that goes um and other mm-hmm. than that i'm not really it's like almost finals time so um actually because it's almost finals time i'm procrastinating more than usual but uh, <laughs> well, we'll see i started a psych rewatch with becky mm-hmm. um <laughs> Early psych doesn't hold up as well as I would have thought. It's unfortunate. Is that one of those like criminal mind style? So psych, shows? it's a it's a murder sh- like a murder mystery show, but it's a comedy, and it's about a man who pretends to be psychic. He's actually just very observant, and he pretends to be a psychic detective uh, and gets hired by is the he, police. Is he also? Is he also a huge dick, or does he have a huge dick? <laughs> he is not a huge dick, but he's very annoying. Um, like, he's definitely, like, one of those annoying white guy, except he doesn't take himself super seriously, so that's, like, the one... Saving yeah. grace. Yeah, and, like, the people around him are fun, so, like, he's he's got, like, a okay. partnership with his best friend, who's, like, sort of the straight man, you know, in the... Except mm-hmm. that he's also very strange, um, and they're quite a funny duo. Um, so we'll we'll see how that rewatch goes, and yeah, that's that's about it. Yep. <laughs> so, once again, thanks for listening to our podcast, Story Guts, especially on uh, if you're listening to this on Monday on four o two. Smoke them if you got them. No, it's. <laughs> Oh, I was right. actually going to say it's April 1st, but you're right. That is tomorrow, not this. Uh, <laughs> 401. Play a prank on your friends. Play a prank. Resurrect. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Fake your death. Um, definitely don't do that. 
Yeah. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on Twitter. Well, if you would like to, I'm at uh, at the Molly Jean M O L Y J E A N N E. Um, oh, I just got the Game of Thrones tarot deck. So if you want to ask me any questions about that, please feel free because I want to talk about it with people. Very interesting. <laughs> I, 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 I wish you only the best. I hope that people do talk to you about it. Um, or it could be up crazy wisdom and just like do a tarot reading on a table until someone walks by. Like, Whoa, is, that, like... is that Game of Thrones? Why do you think that they chose uh, that character for that card? Please tell me in, uh, you know, over the next half hour. <laughs> Right, meet cute. It's a real meet cute kind of situation. Um, so <laughs> I am uh, I am Alice Lai again. I'm at A L O N K U L O U S. Tweet at us if you have um, suggestions, uh, comments, whatever. We love to hear from you, our dear listeners. Um, oh, rate and subscribe. Oh, that's what they say on YouTube. But subscribe and um, comment. Well, actually, oh, I think you rate and subscribe on podcast too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like if you rate, rate and subscribe on iTunes, that'd be great. Um, um, uh, what do we? Should we do the thing in Taz? We don't pay for advertising, yeah, so word, word of, of mouth, mouth is, is blah, our blah, blah. only <laughs> the only way you get it out. Word of mouth is it's true, but like they're such a successful podcast. I, feel I know, like. like oh, you know, it's just like no one's gonna listen to us without word of mouth. I'm like, you were profiled in the in like in the New York Times, like yeah. Anyway. Love the McElroys. Okay. They're great. <laughs> Love the McElroys. The Mac- our McElboys. Uh, okay, we're just uh, going on right now. We're just going on. All right. Thanks again. Um, is there anything else or should I say our sign off? Uh, thanks again. This has been Story Guts. And stay hungry. Well, I love-